Hello and welcome back to the Back Markers podcast, your bi-weekly one-stop shop for all things F1. Now, in the past two weeks, we have had some big news stories that have came out with Lewis's new contract being announced, as well as some car launch dates, which I get into in a bit of detail in this podcast. We also got the introduction of possible sprint races for F1 on three race weekends, as well as an F1 engine freeze that has also been approved by the F1 commission. And also in this episode, I go over my full driver standings predictions for the 2021 season. This will be the last time I mention predictions, hopefully, before the new season, as it's coming up quite fast with testing scheduled for next month, at least. So without further ado, let's get into episode number two of the Backmarkers podcast. So let's get into this new episode of the Backmarkers podcast. And the first big story that I think should be coming out of this week was that Lewis Hamilton finally agreed a new Mercedes deal for 2021 season. Now, it's only a one-year deal, where in the past he has always signed two-year deals with Mercedes in particular. And he has just turned 36 in January, meaning that he's in the twilight stage of his career, unless you're Kimi, when you can go on until you're 50 by the sounds of it. But he is in the twilight of his career, meaning that will he retire at the end of next season? Which I think could be a quite big possibility, to be honest. He's done all there is to do, really, in F1, hasn't he? If you think about it, he's won seven world titles, but that eighth world title, the record-breaking world title, is definitely on the cards for next season. I think that's why he has re-signed. Because otherwise, what else has he got to do? He's got his fashion stuff to do, diversity stuff to do. He's got a lot going on in his life. He's not someone who has nothing going on, if that makes sense. I know I've just repeated myself or whatever, but it's okay. Anyway, so done a bit of reading on this, and it's understood that in Hamilton's new deal, which takes him up to the end of this season... They wanted flexibility on both sides. And it leads to quite an interesting scenario, really, where you've got Hamilton and Bottas currently till 2021. And you've also got George Russell, whose Williams deal also expires in 2021. I think Crofty put this on Twitter. And it's a brilliant move by Mercedes as you've got essentially got three class drivers going for those two seats now i personally think that bottas will get dropped in that scenario unless he can perform as i said in the last podcast that i did but you never know in formula one bottas could have a stormer of a season and push hamilton all the way to the wire which would then lead mercedes to think right do we want to bring russell up now even though bottas has just had a blinder of a season or will Hamilton say, look, I've got my eight world titles. I've got your constructors titles. There's nothing else for me to do in the sport now. I'm going to go off and be a fashion designer or whatever he wants to do. 
And will they bring Russell up to replace Hamilton? You don't know, really, at the end of the day. But I think it all depends on Bottas's performance next season. Like I just said, if he performs amazingly, then there's no reason to say that he can't keep that Mercedes seat for the next next season. And just reading the quotes from it, Hamilton says that he's excited to be heading into his ninth season with his Mercedes teammates and that they've achieved incredible things together and they look forward to building on success even further whilst looking to improve both on and off the track. I think that means in kind of like a diversity sense, making the sport more diverse for future generations. And again, it's a masterclass by Toto Wolff, even though it was kind of obvious that he was going to stay on anyway, because uh, he's also agreed a new deal. But that was much, that was a long time ago, that was before Christmas. But I do think that next season will be a continuation of Mercedes dominance. But just a hint for later on, I do not think that Bottas is going to finish second in the Constructors' title. More on that in a bit, and I did mention it in the last podcast. Um, but again, very good on Mercedes' part to keep Hamilton under wraps for another year. And the flexibility in this contract is obviously key, as because he's got so many other interests, he might think halfway through the season, you know what, I'm done. I'm good. But yeah, Lewis Hamilton, new one-year deal. Now we are going to be looking at the full driver's lineup for next season as it is finally complete and it's been known for a while now, but I thought I'd just do a bit of a bit of a deep dive into it just to be just to get some clarification for listeners who may not know, which again seems unlikely, but I'm gonna do it anyway. So going from top to bottom in terms of the constructors titles last season, you've got Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas at Mercedes. Classic partnership that's been there for five years now. And again, as I just mentioned in the previous segment, that they're both on single season deals, meaning who knows what will happen in 2022. Then we'll move on to Red Bull. And obviously you've got Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. And it's the first time since 2007 that Red Bull have gone outside their driver development program because over the past couple of years well past 10 years at least they've been flip-flopping with many people you saw it with Kvyat and Verstappen which obviously turned out to be a good thing and then you saw it with Gasly and Albon again everyone knows how bad that went and then Albon has been shoved out the door for Perez but it would have been absolutely criminal if Sergio Perez had not gotten a seat for 2021. Aston, he had an absolutely amazing season last year, finishing fourth in the Drivers' Championships with two DNFs because of COVID. Absolutely smashed it. Another interesting thing to note about Red Bull this season is that it's their last year partnered with Honda, meaning that next season they'll either have to find a new engine provider or they can take that Honda engine as their own, as their own intellectual property, and then develop it from there. But that deal remains to be seen. I'm sure when that news breaks, I think that'll be a big, big headline. 
that we'll cover, obviously, on this podcast to see what see what the future holds for Red Bull. Now, moving on to McLaren, we've got Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris, one of the stronger midfield driver lineups, in my opinion, with the mean boys, as we like to call them. Like, nobody likes to call them. It's just a thing I came up on the spot for. Anyway, they have the Mercedes engine this season, which I think will cement their place as third in the Constructors' title. It's going to be really, really, really interesting to see how Danny Rick and Lando coexist, considering they're they're both meme-worthy personalities, both happy dudes, but at the end of the day, business is business, and I think Daniel Ricciardo is going to really, really show up against Lando, and Lando's going to have to bring it in order to avoid being Esteban Ocond, as I would say. But now moving on to Aston Martin, and you have Sebastian Vettel and Captain Nepotism, Lance Stroll. Now, I don't think Aston Martin will do as well as they did last year. I think Ferrari may have a bit of a comeback and finish above them, but it's remain it'll be remain to be seen essentially and again Vettel may have a bit of a resurgence and he may smash it but he's got a weaker teammate in Lance Stroll and my everyone knows my opinion on Lance Stroll I don't rate him in the slightest he might be improving but who really cares now moving on to Alpine we have Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon but this is a really interesting driver pairing because you've got Alonso who's coming back after two years out of the sport. Definitely for his final final run. He'll be in he'll be in for another two years, and then I think he will properly retire and not come back. Then you've got an improving Esteban Ocon, who like I just said, he got Esteban Ocon. He, the Daniel Ricciardo absolutely wiped the floor with him in quality. But towards the end of the season we saw a big improvement from Esteban Ocon, who was actually pushing Ricardo in qualifying and in the races. Will Alonso wipe the floor with him, though? That's the question. I do think that it will be a season of peaks and troughs for Ocon, depending on whether Alonso can actually bring it, simply because Alonso's got ring, he's got track rust. He's not been on an F1 track racing for two years now. Whereas Ocon's had that experience last season with the newer cars as well to really, really up his game. And I think being paired with Daniel Ricciardo last season really, really helped him in terms of improving his driving, improving his race management, etc., etc. But again, it remains to be seen what will happen. But I personally think that Esteban Ocon will put up more of a fight than a lot of people are expecting from him. I could be proven wrong, but again, I could be proven right, really. So now we move on to my boys, the Ferrari team of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Now, this has the potential to be a bit spicy if the conditions allow it to be, because Bonotto has been quoted in the past as saying, They'll be allowed to race each other. There is no one driver above the other. 
obviously that will change as the season goes on as results dictate who gets the upgrades first or whatever but it could get a bit spicy if Charles and Science fall out the end of the day I still think Charles will beat him on qualifying and race performance but at the same time it's going to be quite close I do think it'll be similar to what Science had with Lando last year where they were basically neck and neck in the uh, qualifying performances but again Charles Leclerc is Charles Leclerc him and Max are the two generational talents of this F current crop of F1 drivers really and Ferrari supposedly have had quite a few engine upgrades over the course of the off season but you never know they could still be crap essentially they could still be rubbish and they could still finish sixth as a lot of there's not a lot of changes even going into this season from last season's car but again a bit of spice is what we always love to see in f1 rather than just the boring norm next up we have alpha tauri with Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda. Now, Pierre Gasly and the Alpha Tauri car are like bread and butter, salt and pepper. They just go together very well. But I do think it will be his last season in Alpha Tauri. I think he will go to Alpine in the future with Ocon as his teammate. I know they don't get on, but having an all French team is something that Alpine would clearly want as they are partially funded by the French government. But with Yuki Tsunoda as his teammate, will Tsunoda put up a fight against Gasly? And I certainly think he will. I think he's going to perform really, really well at AlphaTauri. And that Red Bull seat may come calling. I don't think it will be in a few years' time. I think it will be at least 2023 until we can start to consider Yuki Tsunoda as a Red Bull proper driver full-time but him and Gasly I think will be quite evenly matched in terms of race pace meaning that it could be a quite close battle between Gasly and Sonoda at AlphaTauri next year now second to La oh no I've got three more teams left so now we have the tried and trusted tried and trusted tried and tested duo of Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi Again, I think it'll be a similar story to last season. The classic blend of experience and youth between Raikkonen and Giovinazzi. But with that Ferrari engine in the car, will they be more competitive going into this season with the lower end of the constructors like your Alpha Tauris, maybe even your Alpines? Can they improve is the big question surrounding that team this year. And I don't th think they will. I think they'll stay around the bottom end of say around the bottom end of the constructors championships now we move on to Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin at Haas now we all disagree with what Mazepin has done but will he perform in that car and unfortunately well fortunately for him and unfortunately for Mick Schumacher Haas do not have a good package in the slightest and I do I said in my previous previous podcast that 
I think Haas will finish bottom of the constructors title. The all rookie lineup is also a bit of a risk for them considering they are crap pretty much. Do they they don't have the F1 experience to set up a car properly to attract they don't have the don't have the experience essentially. The all rookie lineup I think is a massive risk. Will it pay off though? That's the question and I don't think it will. You can expect a quiet season from Mick Schumacher this season simply because of the car he's in. I do think he'll end up at Ferrari eventually, partnering Charles, but this season he's going to be very quiet. He might get a few points depending on how well he can perform, but again, the Haas package isn't very good. And like I said in last two weeks ago's podcast, they're going to finish bottom of the Constructors' titles. Constructors' championship, even. And now, finally, to finish off this segment, we have George Russell and Nicholas Latifi at Williams. Now, it's a case of, can Williams, with the new investment, improve on finishing bottom of the Constructors' title for what seems like the longest time now? And I think they can. I think they will finish above Haas, as I've said previously. And it's a case of whether Latifi can improve and get some points or whether Russell can perform outstandingly and get some points. Now, I think it's just a, it's, no, it's a case of when, not if, that George Russell gets that seat at Mercedes. So if Bottas has a stinker, as I've said previously then Russell is definitely getting promoted to that seat. And who do you get in to replace Russell at Williams? You could get Valtteri Bottas, the big return of Bottas. Will he take that, though? That's the question. Who knows? Anyway, I think Russell and Latifi, I think Russell's still going to wipe the floor with Latifi. I don't think Latifi's going to win any qualifying performances against Russell. But I do think that they will finish above Haas at least in the drivers no drivers in the constructors championship next up we have got some decent news around tracks and the calendar and also some alterations to races that could be put in place for next season so essentially the calendar has been reshuffled again with Portimao taking that empty slot around may time for those who don't know, Portimao is the Portuguese Grand Prix last season, which saw a crazy, crazy opening lap with Carlos Sainz absolutely storming the field, going into first place to eventually be pegged back by the Mercedes with Hamilton winning over Bottas, I think, by an astounding like 30-odd seconds or something. But should make for some interesting races. I know... Definitely, I've seen on Twitter and in the F1 community that Portimao was quite a interesting and different, is the word I'd use, interesting and different to the current F1 calendar, visiting a track that hasn't been in the calendar for quite a while. And it certainly did produce a decent race, especially with that opening lap and Raikkonen storming up the field as well. And... In my opinion, it's a really good track. I think the elevation changes make a really, really good addition to the track as well as all the curves and everything like that. But again, I think it will 
be a good race next season, hopefully. Hopefully it'll be a, be a bit closer up at the top, though. I don't really fancy Lewis winning by 30-plus seconds, as overall, I think everybody would like the sport to be a bit more competitive up at the top rather than just in the midfield battle. Swiftly moving on to news confirmed today on Thursday that traction has been gained for the sprint races to be introduced on a Saturday. So this would mean that if these sprint races were approved by the F1 commission, that on three Grand Prix weekends, qualifying would be moved to Friday and instead on a Saturday you'd get a sprint race and the sprint race would determine qualifying position for Sunday's proper race. Now I'm not really familiar with sprint races as I don't I haven't particularly watched much of F2 but I think sprint races can only really work on a track where there's good racing if that makes sense. So if you wanted to have a sprint race on Abu Dhabi I don't think that would work or if you wanted to have a sprint race at in Spain at the Circuit de Catalunya, I don't think that could work either, simply because they're well known to be quite boring tracks. I'm looking at Spain in particular because all their problems would be solved mostly if they got rid of that last chicane. It's the one of the only things holding that circuit back, really. Abu Dhabi, everyone knows about Abu Dhabi, rubbish circuit. It's quite a shock that Herman Tilke actually designed that and thought, you know what, that's good. All those 90 degree corners are really, really going to make some good racing. But back to the point, at least. Um, it would be interesting to see which tracks they use this idea from if it goes through. Um, I think you'd have to have it, have it, like I said, on competitive tracks such as Interlagos or Monza. Maybe even the Red Bull Ring. Maybe Silverstone as well. It'd be interesting to see what they could do with something like that. But again, it'd have to be on a competitive track where there is plenty of opportunities to overtake rather than just down a back straight or on one singular corner. Another aspect discussed was, well, in the most recent F1 Commission's meeting, was a development freeze for the engines. Now, again, I think this is a good idea simply because saves teams money at the end of the day rather than having to develop a brand new engine and it means that they can carry those engines forward to the next year now according to sky sports this freeze is going to last until this current engine era runs out which means no more development on engines after this season and that was been that's been unanimously approved by the f1 commission meaning Again, hopefully more competitiveness between teams and also better racing as a result. Now on to the penultimate topic for this episode of the Backmarkers podcast, and that is the current reveal dates as of recording for some F1 2021 cars. And personally, this is my favourite favorite part of pre-season simply because you get to see the cars for the first time. You get to essentially rate or shit on every livery that comes out. 
especially the bad ones. You can discuss that with your mates about which ones you think are bad. I'm looking at you, Renault, ING, livery. What an absolutely disgusting livery. But so far, we have five teams that have been confirmed to be revealing their cars within the next month, at least, until March the 5th. Three of which are doing virtual launch dates and two of which are doing in real life launch dates. So we will start off with McLaren, who are scheduled to reveal their car on the 15th of February. So that's actually on Monday as of recording this. There's been a lot of hints on Instagram from their social media team about, well, just hints and teasers about what the car may look like. Next up, we have Alpha Tauri, who have a virtual reveal on February the 19th. It'll be interesting to see how that livery evolves from this year to next year, well, this season even. I actually thought that the Alpha Tauri livery, despite being quite bold and big, it was actually okay for what it was. And after that, we have three days later, even, we have Alfa Romeo and Warsaw. I always think that the Alfa Romeo cars with the red and the white always look quite clean and slick. So hopefully they'll do a madness and do another decent livery this season. And next up, the week after that, we have Mercedes and Williams who are releasing their liveries and cars on March the 2nd and March the 5th, respectively. Now, will... Mercedes keep the black livery as opposed to the silver livery I don't think they will but at the same time I actually preferred the black livery to the silver livery just because it looked again much cleaner and much sleeker and last one that's been confirmed so far obviously as I've just said is Williams now will they keep the dark navy blue and white to go with the Latifi money maybe or will they get in another sponsor to sponsor that car and make it look a bit better? Personally, I was sad to see the Martini livery go back in the day as that was quite a decent livery, in my opinion. But yeah, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, as these cars are getting launched, we'll get the release dates for the last five cars that are coming out. I'm looking at you, Ferrari. I'm hoping you pull out a big one. But at the same time, their livery is just going to be what it is every other year. Red with a bit of black or a bit of white. And finally, the topic that I hope you've all been waiting for. And hopefully my final prediction of the 2021 season. And it is the full drivers rankings as promised at the start of this episode. Now we're going to go from bottom up rather than top down, because you're going to be really shocked about who I'm going to predict for, to win the championship this season. So starting from the bottom, we have Nikita Mazepin. Enough needs to be said about Mazepin, but maybe that off-the-track stuff will severely affect his on-the-track performance, simply as he's well-deservedly been put through the ringer, so to speak. And I do think Mick will definitely beat him. 100%. Mick is a better driver than Mazepin and just an all-round better person. I know being a better person doesn't necessarily make you a better driver, but Mick won the championship last year. Mazepin didn't. So, yeah. 
In 19th place, I've put Nicholas Latifi. Now, I've previously said in this podcast that I think Latifi will get his first points, but I do think it will only be a single point or two if they get lucky enough. Moving on to number 18, we have Mick Schumacher. Again, as I said previously in this podcast, I think Mick will have a quiet season. I think he may get a couple of points finishes, but then again, I think it will only be maybe a 10th or a 9th in a couple of races, if any at all. But I still think he has the qualities to essentially beat Latifi and Mazepin in the championship, even though that Haas car is severely lacking in every single department. In 17th, I've put Kimi Raikkonen, followed by his teammate Antonio Giovinazzi in 16th. Now, Giovinazzi has been improving over the past couple of seasons that he's been in F1. His first lap overtakes are unreal, I think. I think he had the most first lap overtakes in last season. But again, as he's improving and Raikkonen is coming to the end of his career, essentially, it might lead to a bit of a decline, meaning that Raikkonen will finish below Giovinazzi in the standings. Again, probably only by a couple of points, nothing too major. In 15th, we have George Russell. Now, if that Williams car can get off the bottom of the table, I think Russell can really, really excel in in terms of a Williams driver. Anything in the points finish is excelling for a Williams driver. Now, it might need to rely on a bit of luck in most races to get into the points for that Williams car, but I still think he has the most ability to get into the points as opposed to the five drivers that I've named underneath him. Next up, I've put the Alpha Tauri boys of Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda in 14th and 13th, respectively. Now, I think with Gasly's experience, it will mean he'll finish above Tsunoda in the championship, even if they may have a very tight qualifying battle between them. It all depends on how quickly Tsunoda adjusts to F1 rather than F2. If he adjusts quite quickly, we could see an interesting team battle between them, but I still think Gasly has the ability to come out on top. In number 12, I've put Fernando Alonso, as much as it pains me because he was my favourite driver as a kid. I think track rust is going to play a big part in his season, getting back up to speed with the new F1 cars, essentially. And like I said in my predictions in last week's episode, not last week's episode, a couple of weeks ago's episode, I think Ocon will do much better than what people are expecting him to, as Ricardo pushed him a lot last season. Wiped the floor with him, but towards the end of the season, Ocon was improving. In number 11, I've put Lance Stroll. Now, we all know my opinion on Lance Stroll and that I don't particularly rate him very much. You can't deny he does have some skill in the wet. That's about it, though. His tyre management is poor and his race pace and making mistakes isn't isn't very good, is it, really? I think he'll sit the same 11th. I think another bit of bad luck will play on his season and he may crash out of the points finishes quite a lot, but it all depends on his attitude towards the sport, really. But 
beating him, I see Esteban Ocon in 10th. Again, I think he'll beat Alonso as quite a bit more than what people are expecting him to. But I think a solid 10th position in the Alpine car is more of the same really for Alpine rather than an improvement. In number nine, I have Sebastian Vettel. Now, I think a new team will a new team will help him improve and get back to his best, but it all depends on that racing point package and whether it can stay reliable. As we saw in races last season, it just crashed out. Either the drivers crashed or there were some mechanical issues, which inevitably led them to lose third place in the constructor's title to McLaren simply because McLaren had a more reliable car than Racing Point last season, now Aston Martin, of course. But ninth is an improvement on last season's 13th for Seb. I just think that Ferrari may bounce back a bit. They may bounce back a bit, meaning those two spots that Racing Point, now Aston Martin, occupied last season will go to the Ferraris instead. In eighth, I have Carlos Sainz. Now, I've put Sainz in eighth simply because Ferrari aren't going to have that many upgrades as of this season, as the rules aren't changing that much. But I do think they will improve on last season's mistakes, hopefully. But with Charles and Carlos in the same team, like I've said many a times, they're going to push each other to the limit and hopefully push that car to the limit, which inevitably leads with better race results. Now, in number seven, I've put Lando Norris. I think Lando in that car with Mercedes, the McLaren with Mercedes engine is going to do quite well, but I don't think he has the same ability as the person I've put in sixth. And especially if a certain team improves, that person in sixth is going to finish above Lando. And that person in sixth is my boy, Charles Leclerc. Again, we saw last season what he did with that Ferrari getting a few podiums ultimately missing out in Turkey, which I was very, very sad about, as he isn't a stupid man, but locking up on the last corner was pretty sad. Now, Charles is a generational talent with Max Verstappen, and he can really push that Ferrari to the next level, and hopefully that will make science perform to the next level, as I've just said. In number five, I have Daniel Ricciardo at McLaren. I think with the new McLaren, with the new Mercedes engine in the McLaren, it leads to a big power increase for them, meaning that Ricciardo can probably compete with the Red Bulls and to a certain extent the Mercedes if they get the race right. Now, in fourth place, I have Perez, which is pretty self-explanatory really solid driver red bull probably going to finish top four no matter what in third place i have valtteri bottas again i'm predicting a average season for bottas where max will finally beat him to p2 as i said in episode one of the back markers podcast and finally number one we all knew who it was Lewis Hamilton, 8th world title, record-breaking world title, 
not much more needs to be said really does it and that is a wrap on episode number two of the back markers podcast thank you all for listening and hopefully liking my opinions and coverage of the latest f1 stories and also my full driver standings predictions for the next f1 season hopefully within the next two weeks we can get some decent information from some of the car launches and i'll be covering that in my next podcast and when the new season kicks in i'll imagine i'll move this to a by race basis essentially if there's a weekly race then i'll do a podcast reviewing that race along with the drama the other stuff that comes out of a race weekend obviously and if any major major news stories come out within the next week i may do a special smaller episode just covering that news story let me know what you think on spotify or whatever platform you're listening on listening to it on if you'd like to give me an opinion on twitter then my twitter handle is at ellisspearman22 you can let me know things that i can improve on and yeah thank you for listening to episode number two of the back markers podcast and i'll see you all next time